welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. We are wrapping up season three this week with episode 24, Heroes of the Revolution. Now, before we get into it, I just want to thank you all for understanding why I took last week off. It was actually my birthday week and I had it not jam-packed, but I was out of town. And then when I came back, I just had some like work stuff pop up and I was just, uh, you know what? I was like, I do not have the discipline wherewithal to record this week. I'm just going to enjoy the week off. So I am also excited because we are wrapping up season three, which means I have some time to do some Gossip Vice Tea episodes. Really looking forward to that. Anytime I can do any kind of research on Antonio Banderas and Melanie Griffith will make me happy. So I am planning, spoiler alert, to do an extended timeline of Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith, trying to fit in all their lovers as well. Maybe it'll be a one part, maybe it'll be two part, maybe it'll be three part. Who knows? They've both led quite a full life. So in the spirit of that, let's celebrate and wrap up season three with a Gina-centric episode. And you know that we love that. Per IMDb, the synopsis of the episode, The Heroes of the Revolution, is as follows. The team is working on a Cuban named Pedrosa. They discover another man keeping tabs on him. They learn that he's a communist agent. He goes to see Gina and tells her that he knew her mother when she was still in Cuba and that she was murdered by a jealous ex-lover, Pedrosa. Okay, I'm sorry to the person that wrote this. I, I have noticed the uh, synopsis of like the plot summaries being a little iffy. But uh, yes, in short, we have a mysterious figure from the past and we actually get more background into Gina. Is season three where we finally get to learn about the secondary and tertiary characters of Miami Vice? Because we still don't know much about Zwitek. We don't know much about Trudy. We learned a bit of Zito as he died, and now we're getting to learn a little bit more about Gina. So let's get into a time capsule. Per the screen, we're in Havana, Cuba, 1961. Uh, my note was, are they in Panama hats to make it look like Cuba? Just the extras are just donned Panama hats. And you will see that they've, you know, made pharmacy, like Havana pharmacy signs and whatnot. But like, obviously, this is definitely the streets of Miami. So we are following a woman in white, Sandra, Sandra Santiago, in a very poor quality wig. Poor thing. And the color does nothing to her. She is so beautiful this entire episode. But I understand why they have to use the wig. Because it's not Gina. It's not Sandra Santiago. It's Gina's mother. And as she is arriving to sing at the Black Cat Lounge, jazz bar, what have you, we see a tiny, tiny little tater tot. Now, who is that tater tot? Does she behave herself? Gina's never any trouble. Why don't you, sweetheart? <laughs> no, no, never. Oh, that's very sweet. So we see Gina's mother. And this man kind of gush over Gina. And then he brings up the idea of having one of their own. She rightfully responds back, maybe they should get a marriage license first. He pulls out a ring. On this new socialistic paradise, marriage will merely be another bourgeois, capitalistic memory. 
and that sweet music is him presenting her with a room box and she opening it. And then she has to go on stage, but she seems very happy. So it is assumed that she says, yes, I might have missed that part. I do apologize. However, while she is getting ready to perform, we see a very arrogant, cocky comandante enter El Gato Negro. He's very pushy with the maitre d', insisting on French champagne, not that, quote, horse water that you serve here. Then one of his friends, fellow soldiers, is kind of trying to calm him down, just about other things, but why he's angry. And then, as you can see on the gallery, the Vice and Easy podcast gallery, he says, quote, listen, no man takes from me what is mine. So this sounds like a really chill, easygoing guy. And especially a man with a lot of authoritative power and a gun, this is going to end well. Well, surprise, surprise. As Gina's mother is performing her opening set, sounding like a million bucks in this next clip. Okay, so my research yielded the name of the song as Begin the Begin. I went on YouTube to try to find another version of it. It sounds completely different. So, <laughs> and the lyrics are in English. So obviously it could just be like the Spanish translation. But let's not take away from the fact that Sandra Santiago does have a beautiful voice. And it's actually really sweet. So as Gina's mother is singing on stage, the big strapping young man is playing with Gina in the dressing room, and it's very sweet, very tender. But remember our very jealous armed comandante? Yeah, he's not happy watching her sing. Surprise, surprise, in this next clip. Oh, and uh, unfortunately, that means dirty whore and he shoots her in front of everybody the strapping young man comes to the front holding her tries to shoot at the comandante as he exits El Gato Negro he's held back and he screams out that he'll kill him and that he will get revenge now after the cold open we are back in Miami present day doing a little bit of surveillance we have Zwitek and Crockett Radioing in each other, trying to take pictures of Pedroza. Well, Zwitek is taking pictures of Pedroza. Crockett is keeping an eye out. Now, Zwitek notices another man taking pictures of Pedroza at the same time. Takes a picture of it, keeps that in the back of his head. So when they're back at OCB doing the debriefing, Pedrosa turns out to be the president of an import-export group. I love that. That's definitely nothing shady. What is he importing and exporting, I may ask, if he's living in that kind of house? Sorry, I don't know why that... That's so funny. That's always a front. So they're going to go check up on a guy that is actually connected with Pedrosa. They're going to go to the airport and uh, see where he's going. Zwitek hangs back because... He wants to develop the photos of the guy taking the pictures of Pedrosa. Castillo says yes, he wants them blown up. And then Zwitek goes to the dark room. I legit had to edit out. I said black room. I'm like, oh my God, what's it called? <laughs> this episode makes me feel so young 
and we're not even getting to why that is. But I do remember those days. I can't believe I called it the black room, the dark room where you develop photographs. And it is a shame. I wish that you could travel a little bit more easily with film. I'm always so nervous. I have like a little one of those um, Insta. It's kind of like a Polaroid, but it's Insta Instax. And I'm always nervous to take it with me abroad because I don't want it to wipe out my film. And I know a lot of people, there's a way you do it. I just have to really research it. And I forget either you can check it or you can't check it. Well, first world problems. Now let's get back to the episode. So we are going to the Miami International Airport. The parking lot seems so small. Apparently, it's the dolphin parking. It's so adorable for the Miami International Airport. And it's funny, I'm been to the Miami airport. It's pretty big, but I guess to be fair, we are dealing with 30 years ago before the population really started to boom. So this looks like a very small airport. And indeed, it was filmed at the airport. I know that some other scenes have not been actually filmed at the airport. They've been kind of filmed at like an industrial spot in Miami. But just like concourses A and B this way. And it's so funny. I will sound so privileged for saying this, but I thought it was hilarious. So part of my summer vacation was going to Louisville. I'm oh, sorry, Louisville. And then, so flying back from Louisville, there's two terminals, maybe. It is so easy to get from one terminal to the other. I basically went to one terminal to the other. I forget what I wanted to get. It was some, you know, magazine that they only had in one terminal. They had like a Hudson News in Terminal A, and then I had to go to Terminal B. It was like a five, 10 minute walk. Then I go to London Heathrow, where when you change terminals, it is not only, they even warn you, it's like 11 minute walk, 15 minute walk. It's insane. But they're both international airports. Just very funny. I was like, oh, wow. Like, it's so kind of nice to deal with those super small airports. We're just like, drive in, drive out. There's not a line of traffic. There's not a packed tube. There's nothing. You just drive in and drive out. But I digress. So that's what kind of made me chuckle with these scenes. But Crockett and Tubbs are going to New York. They are following this business associate at Pedroza. And so they met their guy, their contact in the parking lot. He gives them the two tickets. I do love seeing that, like seeing the actual physical boarding passes as they walk in. And now let's cut back to Zwitek in the dark room. So this guy is in about 78% of the pictures. Castillo definitely can recognize his behavior. And he calls it out, just like he sees it in this next clip. He didn't see him because he doesn't want to be seen. This man's trained. Come on, contract? Federal? Foreign? I don't know. Well, Castillo's going to get a few more, get a little bit more info about this. He goes to the FBI shows them the picture of this guy and they don't know who he is. They just say that he's not one of theirs. Then he explains that Petrosa was a hatchet man for Castro and the regime. That we could definitely tell from the opening scene. So with our mysterious man, they're going to they're going to fax the picture over to Washington. Uh there was a blockbuster receipt that was just auctioned off for $500 from Scarborough, Ontario, and it says at the bottom, fax your resumes into like this number. I was like, oh, core memory unlocked. But speaking of pictures and faxing, Pedrosa gets all these surveillance 
pictures. Now, I thought they were from the FBI. I think I'm wrong. I'm just, you know, especially how the FBI and all the government agencies have been portrayed on the show. This is where my mind was first going. But he recognizes our mysterious gentleman. He's not that mysterious. We do know that he's somehow connected to Gina's mother. But who is this tall, strapping man? He's got Petroza shaking in his boots in this next clip. How long has he been here? That one uh, only for the last two days, I think. To think? I don't pay you to think. I pay you to give me answers. Gustavo, Enrique, Luis. Find this man. Cause him a lot of pain. Then kill him. Ooh, spicy. This is going to be interesting. Now let's get to some really fun 80s B-roll footage. I would even want to say it's the late 70s, but obviously I'm no expert. But look at the gallery that you can always find in the description notes of each and every episode of Vice and Easy, hosted on Imager. I love the B-roll. You get the aerial shot of Times Square, and then you get the Howard Johnson's in the background as they are (laughs) dealing with a very quick, very anxious taxi driver named Ivan. Now he's saying that he learned how to speak English watching TV. Crockett jokes back that maybe he should have learned learned how to use the brake when he's driving. However, Ivan gets super, super, super nervous when Crockett and Tubbs stop to watch and see where this guy goes. Remember the guy that they're following all the way from Miami. He's freaking out, and Crockett and Tubbs are about to learn why. Why you do this? I have done nothing. I know nothing. My family knows nothing. Whoa, whoa, Ivan, chill out, dude. What's your problem? What's that building there? Don't know. No. You're not KGB? Get out of here. Do I look like a Russian to you? He just entered Cuban mission to United Nations. That's the Cuban mission? Ah. <laughs> Do I look Russian to you? Is <laughs> gold. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so now it's all coming together. We are doing some more surveillance. Gina and Trudy both looking like a million bucks. With Switek doing a little bit of surveillance. Now, they're basically kind of watching over an intersection in Miami. Basically, we're kind of seeing, you know, another guy in a Panama hat. This is just the theme of the episode. <laughs> really impressive. And they see a car drive by. They get a feeling, Gene and Trudy, that it's a hit. I guess they see maybe the car casing a couple times. We don't really get those details, or maybe I missed it. We see someone point a gun out of the car and fire at a guy walking out with his dry cleaning. Now, luckily, this very familiar guy, our our very tall, handsome friend over here, instantly knows what's going on, gets down. A guy gets kind of clipped by the side of the bullet, but he's okay. Checks to see that he's okay and bolts. Luckily, Trudy is already there on the scene, is able 
to take care of the hitman. Then after she's getting a little bit grilled by IAD, basically like, did you announce herself? Who fired first? Yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, this was a hit and Trudy did what she had to do. It causes this kind of pile up. And I want to say this is Washington Avenue. Trudy, though, looks amazing in the all white outfit, looking back with the sunglasses. Oh, a million bucks. And as Gina is talking to Castillo, she looks like a million bucks. So teal, I think, is really her color. She works really well in jewel tones. I just did that color analysis where basically they take your skin, your eyes, and your hair, and they categorize you as, you know, like warm autumn, cool summer, true winter, and like what colors work best with you. And I don't even think Gina needs it because Sandra Santiago looks like a million dollars. The only outfit I wasn't really sold on was the bronze. I'm like, I kind of washed her out a little bit, but she is knocking out of the park this entire episode. Now she has a little observation she's going to share with Castillo after the fact. Guy's German lieutenant. He speaks with a German accent. He hit the deck just as Trudy and I broke surveillance. I think he took one in the arm. I don't know. I turned around and he was gone. So since they figured that he might have been hit, they kind of send out an alert to the hospitals and emergency rooms, urgent cares, just in case someone comes in with a bullet. <laughs> yeah, so I like totally fell onto this bullet and it lodges off my chest. Like that's Simpsons episode. But let's get back to the airport. We are back at the Miami International Airport where Crockett and his hubs, are, who have been following this guy, decide to put him under arrest. Well, that's going to kind of ruin the plan because the guy takes a cyanide pill before saying anything, drops dead on the ground. Wow. So it turns out we go back to OCB. We get a little bit more information onto just how large Pedroza's network really is. Pedroza's got a diplomatic supply line through Cuba. This thing's huge, Marty. We have no evidence linking Garvey to Pedroza. He sure as hell isn't some freelancer from Little Havana who just happened to have a cyanide capsule. The guy walked out of the Cuban mission with the suitcases. Castillo doesn't want anyone to move just yet, but I think it's safe to assume that since he would rather die than be questioned, he definitely has some deep, dark secrets and assuming he's linked with Petrosa. But again, they need actual information to link that to him. Now we get back to our friend over here. He is in a liquor store. This is actually such a beautiful shot through the liquor store, through the door of just... I want to say it's Collins Avenue. I think I saw the sign in the background. Just that kind of specific hour of sun. I don't know how to properly describe it. You can see that definitely on the gallery. But it's just a beautiful shot where it's kind of like a, I don't want to say twilight because that would make it be too dark. But it's, uh, I'm going to sound so dumb, but it's kind of like right before the sun sets. It's just like a really nice outdoor shot. But again, this guy is heavily trained. He knows when people are looking for him. Actually, I'm looking at this again. I should be able to tell by the shadows. It's just a really nice picture of the street. I'm sorry. <laughs> Try to sound like more uh, knowledgeable on the sun than I am. 
<laughs> but he knows when he's followed. He asks the clerk if there's a back door. Gives him a bill. I think from what I can tell from my gift, that's $100. $100 1987 buys a lot of silence. And he just says to the clerk, I was never here. A goon, naturally. Hired goons. Walks into the liquor store right as our guy has walked out. And again, the clerk, true to his word, shakes head, never seen him. Love that. <laughs> Love that there's still some loyalty in the world. Now, once the goon goes out the back door, he chokes out the goon, specifically asking the goon if Petrosa still listens to music. What does this mean? Now we get a great shot. Go to the gallery, y'all. Great shot of Gina coming home with this beautiful, haunting blue tinge to her apartment. She sees the guy sitting in a chair. She naturally has her gun drawn. He says he wants to reach for his wallet. As she turns on the light, he starts walking over to her with her mother's picture in his hand. And then he shows again a picture of her mother and him together. And I actually think that's very sweet. Now, it goes without saying here, I don't blame Gina for being quite on edge to find this mysterious, large man who is clearly trained with military surveillance survival skills. Just sitting alone. But again, I was like, oh yeah, a world without cell phones. And because he has to fly so under the radar, he can't just leave her a message. Hi, I am your deceased mother's fiance who has come to avenge her death in Miami. Please give me a call back. I will be staying, you know, like you can't leave those kind of messages. So I get that. And I also want you to note the use of blue light in this episode. We come back to it. But this is very sweet. So as he's sitting, she has her gun drawn. There's a great gift of her flicking on the light to see him. And he walks over with the photo after he just, you know, he's like, hey, hands up. Can I go to my wallet? Gets the photo of her mom and then a photo of the mom and him together. And definitely notes the resemblance. Do you recognize this woman? That's my mother. almost a mirror image of her that doesn't answer my question yeah you haven't told her who you are you just have a picture of her mother and you're alone in her house so let's go back to the fbi because they do remember they faxed his picture to washington so they do have a little bit more information on him in this next clip highest ranking field operative in east german intelligence fluent in probably a dozen languages an accomplished assassin Guy's got A-pluses all the way down the line. Recruited in 1958. Has no immediate family ties. His father, a suspected Spartacist sympathizer, killed by the Nazis in 1939. What's he doing in Miami? That's what we'd like to know. If he's shadowing this Pedroza guy, it's only for one reason. Herzog is no lower-level surveillance pawn. Nick wouldn't have flown down, Marty, for anything short of a possible national security problem. If your suspicions are right about this communist drug conduit, then Herzog's presence may suggest East German involvement. Or it might be a cleanup maneuver, if Pedros is out of control. Can we bring him in? Lieutenant, every agent in my unit would sacrifice a body part to bring this guy in. Oh, 
first note, there's a lot of great oil technology in this episode, especially with that slide presenter. Oh, I guess that slideshow, I guess that is a slideshow presenter. I'm sorry. I don't know. The, I did try to look a lot of these up and my mind is not the strongest this week. I decided to donate blood in the middle of like a busy work week, which is really smart of me. So I'm extra sleepy. And then I ran out of my iron supplements yesterday after donating blood. I was like, oh, wow, I am just killing it this week. So (laughs) I've been extra sleepy and I'm like, I'm not sick. I'm just literally very low energy. And there's this new technology where at the end, you know how they take the little tubes of blood for testing and whatnot. They vibrate the needle. Having a needle vibrate in your vein is a very weird haunting experience. And it kind of like left my body cold. But it's for a good cause. Someone needs that blood more than I do. But yeah, if you're wondering why I'm extra sleepy this week, (laughs) I was already like already on the base, like the minimum level. I was already very low when I was doing it anyway. So get ready for a lot of malapropisms, um, malapropisms. Oh my God. See? Okay. Goodbye. Thank you very much, guys. I'll see you for season four. Oh, man. Okay, let's get back to our mysterious European friends. So now we get a little bit more information. We know why the FBI is after him and how the FBI knows that they can't touch him again. This is someone who wants to be under the radar. He knows his way around and he knows how to hide. But this is very nice. He is finally giving Gina information about her family that she never, ever knew. Well, only that what she told you might have been what she actually believed. But you're not Cuban. Who are you? My name is Klaus Herzog. I'm a communist. And I'm an officer of East German intelligence. Why are you in Miami? Your mother was killed by a man, a jealous lover. And that's why I'm here. Pedrosa? I'm going to kill him. The fact that this episode... is making me feel so young so growing up my dad had this atlas that was like his prized possession he would love to you know have me read through it it was leather bound it was you know very very pricey but it was so old (laughs) and because I guess like what I was reading in like 1997 so like right after Kosovo all that so like I definitely way after the fall of communism not this episode so it was like East Germany Yugoslavia Czechoslovakia just so many countries that no longer <laughs> exist <laughs> that like hearing like I'm a communist from East Germany I'm like wow I feel so young because I was born right before the wall fell and my father has also defected from communism so I know the other side of the equation so this is incredibly interesting to me to really get into like the cold war issue at play with the Soviet bloc and the Iron Curtain and Cuba at this time. So very well done for a season finale. I 
am quite riveted because now I want to see what's going on. He has come to Miami for revenge. And as we know, this is how everything got started. Come to the hot, steamy, humid city of Miami to kill in cold blood. Because if Tubbs didn't do it, will Herzog do it? And Herzog... Klaus Herzog, number one, sounds like the fakest name. All I could think of is Werner Herzog, the very interesting director. So that's what I'm thinking that this, uh, that was like the inspiration for this character. And it's funny because the actor who plays him is Dutch, (laughs) which is very funny. All right. Now let's get back into it. Gina, you know, obviously she wants to hear all these stories about her mom and what really happened. You know, obviously her aunt might have told her these things, not to keep it from Gina, but because that's what she believed. Maybe she didn't hear that she was killed by Petrosa because maybe it would have harmed her chances of getting out of Cuba at the time. Wow, sorry, look at me. I'm like, I sound like that semester abroad girl. And So maybe that's why they just kind of like hid the truth from her because they didn't maybe want to have her know this side. And we also hear that her father was killed shortly after Gina was born in the revolution. So, goddamn, Gina's an orphan? That sucks. Poor thing. Again, why couldn't they have explored that the the previous 75 episodes? Who knows? But... Gina has to tell him the truth that, like, she has orders to arrest him. That's her job. So technically, she is harboring a fugitive. Now, we have breakfast at OCB. Obviously, Gina's a little bit on edge. She's looking very fabulous, though, with this black polka dot kind of blazer blouse. It has the lapels of a blazer, but it feels and looks like a blouse. Uh, So, he also has more to say after she gets back from OCB. Again, she has to, like, keep the secret. He asks if she can sing like her mother. Hmm, interesting. Where's he going with this? I know you want the same thing I want. And what if I do? Listen. Can you sing? Never professionally. But you have a wonderful voice, just like your mother, don't you? You're changing the subject. Oh, no. No, not really. Your singing will bring Pedroza to us. She asks him where he's going with this. Basically, what he wants is to have Gina sing at a club. Remember, he was asking the goon if Pedroza still liked music. And use that as a way to bait Pedroza. And then have Gina be the one to take him in. So technically, it's all by the book. But there can still be that sweet, sweet vengeance that we have this bloodlust for. He will. <laughs> he will. He can't resist clubs that are dark and smoky and filled with good music. Jazz clubs was one of the passions he and I shared. The other one was your mother. Then I'm the bait. No, I am. When he hears you sing, he'll know I'll come there eventually. So Gina is going to go audition at this jazz club. Now, this jazz club 
it's it's clearly a set because a jazz club, especially one of this caliber that is auditioning lounge singers, would have permanent table placements. It wouldn't be like a catering venue where you pull them in and push them out and you roll them out of your shift so you can set things up. No, like this would be a permanent fixture. Like this just looks like my high school drama room, especially with like the cheap neon music note signs in the background. Oh my God. But let's hear Sandra Santiago sing. Just can't get my poor self together. Right? A million bucks. Like, this is just her audition. And no backing vocals, nothing. Sounds like a million bucks. Now, let's get back to reality. Gina is going to OCB looking amazing in purple with, like, an 18-inch waist. Because, my God, this woman's waist is tiny. She wants to talk to Castillo. Castillo, being Castillo, is flipping through papers, not making eye contact with her, until she drops this bombshell. I've seen him. I've talked to him. You didn't arrest him. I couldn't. That's something a police officer can't do or decide on his own. I'm not sure this thing is about being a cop. It has to be. You are one. As long as you wear the badge. But he wants Pedrosa as badly as we do, maybe even worse. Pedrosa killed a woman he loved 26 years ago. He's been tracking him ever since. We don't sanction vendettas. Lieutenant, you don't understand about this woman. She was my mother. Now, Castillo definitely changes his tune once that spooky, tense piano score enters into the picture. He grants her a week off to deal with whatever she needs to deal with. Now, I totally forgot to play this clip. It just happened right before Gina goes into Castillo's office. We get a little bit of foreshadowing with Philip Michael Thomas's 90s career trajectory in this next clip. But if he's as good as they say he is, maybe he picked us up on his psychic radar. Ooh, is that a low blow on my part? Call my network today. Ask about love. No, I don't even have like a live reaction or a way to see live reactions, but I can tell that this is definitely not hitting. <laughs> Fucking thing sucks! Oh, I beat that joke into the ground. Okay, now let's get back to our jazz club slash church basement for birthday parties. We see Nancy Reed, who actually was, I believe still is. Sorry, I unfortunately, I kind of am getting things a little bit mixed up with who is still with us. Rest in peace, Bert Young. He just passed away today as well. Nancy Reed, jazz singer, looking amazing as she's singing The Jazz Singer. But she has this black zip-up with small, either rhinestone or diamante horizontal stripes looking like a million bucks. But who did we come here to see? We came here to see and hear Gina Calabresi. Looking everywhere, haven't found him yet. 
the big affair I cannot forget. This song is apparently called Someone to Watch Over Me. I don't know who sings it. Again, <laughs> I tried to research this. But again, I'm just enjoying how amazing she sounds. Now, I do like the bronze shoulder padded outfit. I like the shoulder pads. I like the fit. I just think the color, like I said, she looks so good in like those true jewel tones, teals, like those deep, rich colors that I was like, ah, I think she could. She could do a little bit better. Uh, my favorite part of this scene is I took a gif of Pedrosa with a blonde and the blonde puts her hand on his shoulder and he brushes it off. So I like that the song is hopelessly about being hopelessly in love and like being a little lamb waiting for the shepherd. And this is when Pedrosa starts getting flashbacks and definitely seeing Gina's mom on stage flashback to the night he killed her. So he definitely sees the resemblance. He books it out of there. Now, when she goes to see Klaus after the performance, again, he's very secretive, hiding, just wants to make sure that nobody could find him. Again, this is what he's used for. Used He's used to. He's used to being able to look at every single place and know where the exit is and know all the exit strategies. So she does tell him that the FBI wants him. And he says that he can't go back. And he questions how long Pedroza would even go to jail if he were to caught. Like, what kind of charge would he get brought in on? Would it even stick? Would he be able to get on probation or like four years? And that's 100% true. Now, he brings up a good point. He'll never pay for taking Gina's mother's life. But then when he puts numbers in the mix, I am questioning this timeline. Gina, this happened 26 years ago and it happened in Cuba, which means that it might as well have not happened at all. Don't you understand that can be no justice except the justice we impose ourselves? Please, Gina, please for your mother. I can't. I have to arrest him. Boo, Gino, we want vengeance on this show. Now, Klaus says he's going to be the bait now. And that she can arrest him when Petrosa tries to kill him, meaning Klaus. So, interesting. So at least he's trying to get Petrosa locked up. Although he'll never get true justice for what he did to Gina's mom. This is the closest that he thinks he's going to be able to get. Again, did you notice that the blue light that he was walking through, like he is just this blue aura that's surrounding him this episode with the lighting. And I was looking up the director, Gabrielle Beaumont. She actually had a lot of really impressive television episodes under her belt. So I'm very liking this directorial choice. The only qualm I have with this episode is that sometimes the scenes dialogues are stacked up right against each other so it's very hard in this day and age when I'm trying to cut audio clips to get the right one so I'm not getting the transition first world problem boy I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder oh my big point that I even named the clip after was 26 years question mark question mark question mark okay so let's say that Gina was one year old at the time of her mother's death so, which would make her 27 years old in present day, born in 1960. The flashback was in 1961. That means that Gina was 24 when the series started. She was a detective. 
She was dating Sonny, and Sonny, I, we hypothesized, again, who knows what his relationship is, but like we've done in our episode, we already hypothesized his age. Again, divorce, so like what kind of, like think we said he was 30 when he started on the force, 1985, 1984. That's not that big of an age gap, but to be 26 in that position is like, I mean, to be 24 in that position is pretty impressive. So... How old is Gina Calabrese? I want to say I always thought she was in her 30s as well. Like, I thought everyone was kind of in their 30s. So when you said 26 years old, I was like, whoa, just took me right out of it. Now, the FBI doesn't want Pedrosa to know that the FBI is after him. They're a little concerned of the fact that he could fly back and just basically peace out. And he's also tried to claim that he's only posing as a drug dealer for Cuban intelligence. Yeah, that's why he's in that huge-ass mansion. It's just Cuban intelligence. Could be. Uh, please note, I think in the scene coming up, I don't want to miss it, with the outside of his house, his palace, his palatial estate, and then the uh, two statues outside in front of his house. I don't think this is an intelligence operative. I think he's just really an import, amp, export, wink, wink, wink guy. So, <laughs> again, at Petrosa's house, as all this is going down, he's telling his goons that he wants to go alone. And he compares it to a problem a lot of us have been having this summer. It's like maybe you got a mosquito or a, or a fly in your bedroom at night, huh? What do you do, huh? The German, he gets the same treatment. He's going to go back to the club solo. I guess he's just going with his driver because I see his limousine. Because I did note the window shade, like the the, the curtains in the limousine. Oh, that is like chef's kiss because they even look like they're leather. So... This is a big deal. This is, again, I don't think this is an intelligence operative. So Gina's getting ready backstage, powdering her face, the normal makeup way, not the Miami's way, not the Miami 80s way <laughs> with Klaus as uh, they kind of head over to what they're, what's going to go down tonight. Oh, Klaus does have faith that she will protect him, but he makes a very funny point that would have been even funnier in the height of the Cold War in this next clip. You could be killed. You're supposed to protect me. Never did I think that I would trust something so important to American justice. <laughs> Again, if I was watching this in 1984, the, I mean, sorry, 1987, when it was released, it might be a little different tone. But looking back at it now, that's actually quite funny. So again, he still has faith that she'll protect him. And yeah, they're going to do this. Now we go back to Petrosa's house. Vice busts in on the house. We have the butler holding a tray, serving a drink. We also have a goon holding a platter. I wonder what's on that platter. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I had a clip of this scene. Basically, Tubbs kicking up the goon's platter and it's just cocaine all over his face. <laughs> uh, so as he's questioning the goon, asking where Petrosa is, he reluctantly answers that. He said the blue note. Now, Trudy recognized that name because Gina mentioned they had an audition for a lounge singer, for a jazz singer at the club. And again, remember, Gina hasn't been to work in a couple of days. Interesting. So they leave with that information. Gina gets back on stage at the Blue Note, looking beautiful and black. 
singing once again. And again, she rubs it in that she really wants to inspire nostalgia, whether that's going to be good or bad from the crowd in this next clip. Song for you that's going to bring back a lot of memories. Oh, she does sound like a million bucks. And I personally am not a huge fan of jazz. Like, I will go to a jazz club by request, but this is not something I do on the regular. Nothing against her. It's just not my scene. But uh, yeah, she, again, sounds like a million dollars. And Pedrosa looks really good. Again, he's in white. He is wearing a white jacket and a white shirt. And him and Klaus... Sorry, him and Herzog, okay, him and Werner Herzog, have this game of cat and mouse going up in the bar. They keep changing seats. They keep looking at each other. They are both there waiting for each other. Gina continues to sound like a million bucks. As she's finishing up her song, Petrosa, already looking sketchy to begin with, is already reaching into his jacket pocket, pulls out his gun with a silencer, aims it at Herzog. Gina, on stage, pulls out, pulls out the gun, announces herself as Miami Vice, and Petrosa turns the gun on her, shoots him. Crockett gets there just in time to check his pulse. He's dead. Herzog runs out through the curtains, through the back door, looks back, kind of gives like an approving nod and runs out. As Gina exits the club to take one last look, he kind of looks back. We see the blue light again. She's crying because, again, he can't stay, but he has at least gone the revenge and tried to make whole her mother's death. And I actually just really like that it kind of ends on that note where we don't get that happy ending but at least we get some form of justice. And they knew that Petrosa's ego was out of control. And we saw it in the opening, cold <laughs> open. He is uh, not a great guy. Not Definitely not a guy you want to have any sort of dealings with. So overall, I am happy that at least Gina knows a little bit more about her history. But she'll never be able to have that connection with the man who could have been her stepfather. Because of what he does and his connections and the fact that now he's kind of involved in that murder. But it's a justified murder. And with that, let's end the episode. Let's talk fashion. This is a Gina-centric episode and this episode belongs to her and to a lesser extent, Trudy. Because they are my best dressed women of the episode. I want to say that Trudy inched out Gina a little bit with that white dress looking back during that attempted hit at the dry cleaner gina looking like a million bucks in teal with the badge around her belt highlighting that tiny waist also looking green and purple the only best dressed man i know to this episode aside from petroza and white because i was like that's that's a way to go it on top if i'm gonna hit my ex-lover's fiance who was mourning her and also seeking revenge in my city that is also what i would dress up as but i actually gave it to one of petroza's goons wearing blue satin, like a blue satin textured shirt. I really did like Herzog. I thought he was very fashionable, but he didn't stick out enough. And the actor's name 
Yaron Krabe sent to a YouTube video to how to pronounce this. Because you know what I love to get are just comments of just correcting my pronunciation and nothing else. Not like great show. Great work. Love the gallery. Nah, just a correction of my pronunciation. I'm like, wow, you must be really fun at parties. <laughs> and then Pedrosa is actually Sean Elliott, but that is actually kind of like an anglicized version of his name. He's actually of Puerto Rican descent. And uh, he did a great job because Pedrosa looked like one crazy SOB. Now, music. There were no top 40 hits this entire episode. Again, I'm a little bit skeptical on Begin the Beginning as the first song, but this is what I found on the internet, so it has to be true. Stormy Weather, another Gina melody, already said jazz singer and someone to watch over me as she sings in the nightclub. Again, Sandra Santiago just killing it this episode with her voice. And it's actually very interesting because I also really enjoyed the spooky schooler. And just kind of the way it tied everything together. This was, I think, a great way to end season three. Not the strongest, but I really like learning more about Gina and incredibly interesting backstory. Basically an orphan. And I wish that she could have had a semblance of a relationship with this man who meant so much to her mother's life and wanted to avenge her death. But they can't. And also this episode, I was like, who's the winner of this episode? I was like, wow, Cold War. I do get how much of a different world it was. And I can't fathom it. And I know I'm young. And now this this episode actually makes me feel young because I've been feeling old lately. I was like, nope, there is a lot of history that I was not alive for. This being a major one. I also like that Heron wasn't even German. He's Dutch. Because you can even tell in his accent. I'm like, ah, oh, like, that's like a Germanic language accent, but that's not that's not German. So I thought that was funny, too. Now, this episode, I have my favorite quote. <laughs> I hope we're all in agreement here. Stealing the show with maybe, like, three lines. Our boy, full of Michael Thomas, Tubbs. You're not KGB? Get out of here. Do I look like a Russian to you? And on that spectacularly high note, we are ending season three here at Vice and Easy. And we will see you for season four. Again, I just want to thank each and every one of you for liking, for subscribing, for leaving five-star reviews, for telling your friends, for getting the word out there, for following me on all things social at Vice and Easy Podcast, for following the gallery on Imager, and for watching on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this season three journey that we are wrapping up today. And I cannot wait to break down season four with you because it gets wild. Thank you again for listening. And as always. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.